1: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 36 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coesman. I'm joined as always by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good. Very good. Now, there really is nowhere else to start this week. We, It's been an absolutely huge loss to the boxing world. It's the greatest loss possible from the greatest heavyweight boxer, definitely, but possibly boxer in any weight class pound for pound boxer of all time we've lost the great Muhammad Ali he died on Saturday morning England time I believe I think it was Friday night perhaps in USA um, of course there's there's a time difference um, of course he died at, at, at age 74 um, so this week has been Really, really, you know, sad week for for boxing fans and, and and boxing people and even other boxers all around the world. Everybody you speak to, there's there's always been that debate about you know who'd win prime Mike Tyson against prime Muhammad Ali. That that will still go on. You know that that will still go on. You know we've done the show an, a day earlier, so we we're, we're now we're recording this actually uh, on the Sunday. So. It's literally 24 hours, just just over 24 hours since since I heard the news. Um, you know, I woke up to a text on my phone, and of course, you know, it's it's absolutely tragic. So it's gutting, you know. Of course, he had a he had a wonderful career. 61 fights, 56 wins, 37 by knockout, five losses, only one loss coming by knockout. You know, he'd done the unthinkable. This man was the greatest not just because of his in the ring achievements, but the stuff he'd done outside of the ring, you know, but of course, as a lot of people will know, the stuff he'd done inside the ring was unthinkable. It was impossible. And that is, you know, that, that the stuff he'd done in the ring, put him on that pedestal to be able to do things and say things and, and speak up for himself. And, you know, he was just a leader, you know, um, of course, you know the the fight that really made him, you know, the man he became was that 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 1964 win over Sonny Liston when when Sonny Liston retired at the end of the sixth round uh, on his stool, you know, claiming an an injured shoulder after the fight. Muhammad Ali at the time called Cassius Clay changed his name to Muhammad Ali. Um, That was the 1964 fight of the year. They had an instant rematch in 1965 and Sonny Liston got knocked out in the first round. You know, there was only 2,400 people in attendance that night. It's crazy to think the way that the, the landscape of boxing has changed. And he was really the man to change it. From then onwards, you know, people would come out for boxing. He was the most exciting thing that that anybody would ever seen. You know, that the back in those times when TVs were, were, were new then and everybody was seeing this man, this, this man with a big mouth, You know, back up what he say. He would say what round he was going to knock someone out in, and he'd do it. He was just the most exciting thing. You know, of course he come over here, beat our very own Henry Cooper. He had an absolutely golden resume. Those three fights with Joe Frazier, incredible fights, all three of them. The fights with Floyd Patterson, the fights with Ken Norton, all good fights. You know, and of course. The Thriller in Manila. You know, he had the brilliant fight where he done the rope-a-dope on George Foreman. That was the rumble in the jungle in, in Africa. And, of course, just an absolute credit to the sport. He really, really was... He was just... He fought Larry Holmes. We had Larry Holmes on the show before. Larry Holmes couldn't speak enough good words about Muhammad. That's the weird thing. A lot of people fought Muhammad. So many fighters fought him. George Foreman, Joe Frazier, they all fought him. They all had... You know, rivalries. They all said derogatory stuff about each other in build ups to fights. And it was genuine. It wasn't just for the cameras. It wasn't just to get a few more bums on seats. It was simply genuine. And yet, they all speak of how much of a great man he was. You know, he's done so much things in. In you know, in, in, outside of the ring, he, he's done so much things. You know, he's freed hostages. He sat down and negotiated with Saddam Hussein himself. You know, what sort of boxer would do that? He freed 15 hostages, 15 American hostages. And when they tried to thank him, he said, "Listen, it's not me. God works through people. It's not me. You have to thank. You know what? You know, he's talked a suicidal man out of out of jumping out of a window. You know, the man was." I've all, I've said this for a long time. I'm not just saying this because of the circumstances that have occurred. I'm saying this because I truly mean it. Muhammad Ali was more than one of the best boxers of all time. One of the best athletes of all time. sportsmen of all time. One of the best men to ever walk the world in our era that we know about. Of course, there's a lot of nice people that we don't know about, but I'm talking about famous terms. This man was king of the world, Yeah, he was such, such a nice man. You know, the things he'd do is, is just is sensational. He was a leader. He was a god. This man was a god. This man stood up for his beliefs, like a lot of others did as well. Let's have it right. But he stood, he he jeopardized his you know, his status, and it and it and it 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 didn't pay off because they took his they took his his titles away, they they took his license away. He didn't fight for three years of his prime. We never really got to see the best three years of Muhammad Ali. He, we lost that. Because he refused to go to Vietnam. He stood up for his beliefs. He said he wasn't going to do it. And the things he'd done for especially the black community in America. You know he's from a time where where black people couldn't vote. Black people were, were second citizens you know. And he'd done so much for that race. It's absolutely incredible. Um, Muhammad Ali really is the, the greatest of all time in my opinion. You know the memories. The things he's done. He's achieved more than. He's achieved more than probably every single person in the world right now in could do in ten lifetimes. He was amazing I'm um, sorry for those people that are maybe not too big on him. I've spent quite a few minutes now talking about it. It's just he's my hero and um that's just the views of the box hard podcast we've really we've really lost you know one of the greatest the greatest boxer of all time and it's it's really kind of. Even though we didn't know him, I never got to see him in in the flesh or anything. You know, his last professional fight was over a decade before I was born. But, you know, I know so much about the guy. I've spent hours upon hours of watching his interviews. All the quotes he'd, he'd say, he was just tremendous. He was one of a kind. They don't make people like that anymore. I'm not sure how solid this is, but I did hear that his organs had given way when he was in the hospital they'd given way and and they'd stopped working yet his heart was still beating for a further 30 minutes and apparently that's that's never really been seen that's a huge, huge rarity. So that goes to show maybe something, you know, obviously there was something special about the man. Even, even when his body, you know, and his, his, his life was ready to be, to be handed over to God. So absolutely incredible. If you haven't watched any of the interviews on him, you really have to. I actually do want to just add, I spoke to his grandson, who's also a boxer, uh, just yesterday. And I just said, basically, um, you know, he was a true role model. He was a, you know, incredible human being. He was a man that stood up for his beliefs and he was a leader, but he will always be a hero and he's never to be forgotten. And I think that that's pretty much, that pretty much states what's gone on. Very nice touch yesterday from Frank Warren at the boxing as well. I will just say Frank Warren, uh, there was an allocation of seats. If you turned up, you'd get, a seat for five pounds and all the money that was raised with the five pound tickets were going to a parkinson's research charity um that's of course the disease that muhammad ali had parkinson's and also frank warren done the 10 bells in between two fights i think it was the main event they done the 10 bells for muhammad ali they played some of his uh some of his famous rhymes in, in, that he'd use in press conferences, and of course they had a solid black rope on the top rope of the ring, no sponsor on it or anything like that, and that was a mark of respect to Muhammad Ali. So, really, really good touches, really class stuff there from Frank Warren, and um, I think he should be commended for that. So, um, so that's it. We're gonna we're gonna leave that there. How hard it is to stop talking about the greatest man. To have a lace on a pair of gloves, we're going to leave that there and we're going to delve into part one. Uh, Ayaz, was there anything that you wanted to say on Muhammad Ali just before I bring in you know, just before we start on to, on to part one, of course, onto the review side of the show? Yeah, add, he's the greatest sporting icon that we've had, and also just to add on, obviously, I uh, having studied a sports journalism degree, right? I actually on my on a lot of my essays, I actually wrote on Muhammad Ali. What he's done in the civil rights movement was amazing, right? He, even, he also even threw his uh, Olympic gold medal in the river because uh, he said, I don't, I don't want to wear a medal. That's uh, a country where, I'm, where, where people are not getting treated right yeah that's absolutely true you know he again you know I, I could talk about it all day and and you know this <laughs> perhaps this boxing show is in the place to do so but i don't want to i don't want to carry on for too long but yeah he was he, you know there's no question about it the man was the best go and watch his fight against cleveland williams go and watch that fight the masterclass that he put on and tell me that mike tyson would have beat Muhammad ali i ain't just saying this because he's passed away now you know i'm not but um i'm definitely as when you're ready, we're going to go down to that O2 Ali exhibition. We definitely need to go and see that before it goes. I believe it goes in about a month and a half, two months. I think it's August. They're changing it to some other exhibition, so definitely we need to get down there before that. Okay, now let's jump straight into the review side of the show. We're going to start with a card that I didn't actually know was taking place until the last minute. I spoke to him just after the fight, actually. Uh, Billy Dibb, he was back. He got his full. First professional win of his 45 professional fights, he picked up the vacant IBF Australasian. Imagine that. It's called the Australasian Super Featherweight title. He beat a guy who was 17-0 undefeated called Farampech Buamas, 17-0. So Billy Dib getting ever closer to another shot at one of the major titles. That's it for Australia. We're now going to go over to Florida, USA. Rence's Bartholomew top of the bill against Mickey Bay. This was always going to be a good fight. Bartholomew was down in round two. And I haven't actually seen the fight, I'll be honest, but it ended up being a split decision win for Barflemi. So I'd imagine that fight was pretty good. I believe that Mickey Bay had a really, really good start and Barflemi was taking over in the latter part of the fight. He was coming forward a lot more, so I've heard. Also on that bill, Javonta, the tank, Davis, he picked up a KO in the first round. It was only scheduled for eight. No judges were needed he now moves to 16-0, and 0, so good fighter to Javonta Davis. That's it for that one. We're now going to go over to Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Just one fight I wanted to mention on that bill. Heavyweight prospect Cassius Cheney moved to 7-0 and 0 with a unanimous decision over four rounds. That's it for there. We're now going to go over to Canada. Artur Baturbiev, nine wins, nine knockouts. He was fighting... Ezekiel Osvaldo Moderna who had a record of 23 wins 2 losses he'd never been stopped well he has been stopped now and it came in the 4th round Moderna was down twice and deducted a point in the third round so that was gonna be what's that? 10 eight 10, 10 six round the third round and he was down twice in the fourth round before the referee stopped it so he was he needed a knockout pretty much after round four with all the stuff that was going on there so really really bad fight for moderna and of course Artur Baturbiev getting closer to a title shot he defended successfully here his WBA naBA light heavyweight title so 10 and0 with 10 knockouts for Artur Baturbiev, also on that big undefeated Colombian heavyweight prospect Oscar Rivas he moved to 19 and 0 with a win over Jeremy Bates this was a TKO in the first round so a good win for Oscar Rivas elsewhere I'm not too sure where it took place but I just thought I'd mention it's very ironic of course Muhammad Ali we lost him just just over 24 hours ago there was actually a guy fighting on Saturday and his name was Ali Muhammad so that's a that's a quite a coincidence. It was his debut, and he picked up a TKO in the second round. I'm not sure where this fight took place. It could have been somewhere like Asia or something. I believe there's a lot of Asian-sounding names on this bill, so somewhere in the world, Ali Mohammed, who probably doesn't speak a word of English, is getting a mention on the Box Hard Podcast. So it's all good. It's all good. Now going over to Germany, we're going to talk about a fight that happened over here. Manuel Char. I believe he was put on the bill pretty late. He picked up a TKO in the seventh round. It was scheduled for eight. a uh, heavyweight, of course. Manuel Char moves to 29 wins and he's got the four losses. His opponent had a record of 12 and 7 going into this one, of course. Now 12 and 8. That's it for Germany. We're now going to go over to the Echo Arena, Liverpool, Ryan Farag against Karim Guerfi. Now, this was always going to be a quite a good fight, a bit of Beef at the head-to-head. And Ryan Farag was TKO'd in the third round. It was a bit of an upset. This was, of course, for the EBU Bantamweight title. So Farag has lost that belt. Farrag was down prior to the stoppage. He got back up, but he was in trouble. His legs, his legs were just walking on their own kind of thing. He didn't, he, you know, they were jelly. He didn't know where he was. Well, I think he knew where he was on the on the top half, but the bottom half had no, you know, he thought he was in a dancing contest or something. He was he was in a bad way. I don't mean that in any disrespect whatsoever. Also on the bill, Liam Smith he defended successfully his WBO World Super Welterweight title with a KO in the second round. He moves to. 20- 23 wins undefeated with the one draw. His opponent... Predrag Radcevic, 30 wins and one loss going into this fight. He hadn't been stopped in that one loss, but he now has his first knockout loss. Zolani Tete was also on the bill. He picked up a TKO in the seventh round and defended successfully his IBF International Bantamweight title. So Zolani Tete, 24 and 3 now. His opponent, 21 wins and six losses now. Um, Thomas Stalker was also on the bill fighting for the WBO European title for the third time. It was vacant, and he picked up the win now. This is the third time lucky. It was a tough fight, I tell you that. Tom Stalker, of course, he, he actually picked up a cut on his right eye. In the 8th round, I believe, Antonio Bento, his opponent, was cut on the left eye in the 4th round, but that was from a head clash. Bento was down in the 6th round. Tom Stalker did have a good start, but I'll tell you what, this guy really came to fight for a record that didn't suggest he had much fight in him. He really did. His record, 30 wins. Well, his record now, 30 wins, 16 losses and two draws. Tom Stalker now 11 wins, one loss and three draws. So the new WBO European lightweight title, Tom Stalker. Declan Geraghty was also on the bill. He picked up his 12th professional win. His opponent got disqualified. Uh, Basically, two points were deducted from his opponent for hitting on the break. Um, And, of course, he was disqualified in the sixth round uh, after continuous low blows. Um, Geraghty was actually down in the second round. So it was a bit of a strange old fight over six rounds. His opponent's now Got a record of 28 wins, 17 losses, and two draws. But he really come to make it ugly. Eusebio Usejo. So Declan Geraghty, 12-1 now. Liam Williams was also on this bill. He got a TKO in the third round. It was only scheduled for eight. So he moves to 14-0 and 0 with the one draw. His opponent, Gustavo Alberto Sanchez, 12-13 and 13 with one draw. Was down in the second round and again in the third just prior to the stoppage. Um, Kevin Satchel was also on the bill. He picked up a points win over Brett Fido. Kevin Satchel now 16 and 0. Josh Lever moved to 10 and 0 with a TKO in the third round. His opponent was down in the first round as well. That's it for UK. We're now going to go over to the Stub Hub Centre, Carson, California. One of the best venues in boxing, in my opinion. Top of the bill, Francisco Vargas defending his WBC World Super Featherweight title against tricky veteran Orlando Salido, the only man to hold a win over Lomachenko Francisco Vargas it was a a good fight by all accounts again I'll be honest I haven't seen it but it was a good 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 fight from what I've heard it was a majority draw a lot of people saying that that wasn't the right decision it was definitely a close one I'm going to have to give that a watch But uh, Francisco Vargas, of course, retains that title because he didn't lose it. So he retains it. And that's his second draw of his career. And Salido's fourth draw of his career. Julian Ramirez was also on the bill. He got upset by Abraham Lopez. Both guys were undefeated. Ramirez was cut on his right eye by an accidental headbutt but yeah Abraham Lopez picks up the win so 21 and 0 for him with the one draw and Julian Ramirez 16 and 1 Gabriel Rosado was also on the bill. He was down in the fourth round, unbelievably, but he managed to scrape a unanimous decision win after ten rounds. So Gabriel Rosado, twenty-three and nine now. Jonathan Navarro was also on the bill. He put his man down in the first round and the second round, and it was stopped in the second round, KO. Jonathan Navarro moves to six and zero. So good win for him. And that's it for the StubHub Center. We're now going to go over to Wisconsin. Um, of course, we had him on our show last week, Luis Arias. He picked up a TKO in the third round over Jorge Silva. So Luis Arias, 15-0 and 0 now. Moving on to bigger and better things. Okay, of course, we talked about Muhammad Ali earlier on in the show. Rest in peace, my brother. And we've just done the review inside of the show. So we're now going to welcome our first guest. Okay, now it's time for our first guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome undefeated heavyweight prospect, Cassius Chaney. Cassius, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thank you. Uh, appreciate you for having me. No problem.
1: Okay, the first question I wanted to ask you, obviously, your, your first name is Cassius. You're named Cassius. Were you named after Muhammad Ali?
0: Yes, I was named after uh, Muhammad Ali, a.k.a. Cassius Clay. Yeah absolutely. Now the
1: first the first real question obviously this is this is um you know the last few days have been have been a terrible for for boxing fans um we've suffered a great loss. What's your reaction to the loss of the greatest Cassius?
0: Um you know it was um it was a bit shocking you know but you know at the same time um you know he's in a better place now. Uh you know, I fought on a night that he passed. It was my first fight in Philadelphia. You know, he just met so much to uh the world, you know, people in general, all people. And uh he he stood up for what he believed in. You don't really see that in uh in sports in general anymore. You know, um that much. So uh, you know, as an athlete, as a professional athlete, as a person, You know, you want to carry along many of his traits. And um, that's what I plan to do, you know, just to, uh, you know, not only in the ring but outside the ring.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, you said you fought on the same night. You got a win. Funny enough, somewhere else in, I'm not sure which country it was, I was looking on BoxRec, and someone called Ali Mohammed had his debut on that night and and managed to get a second-round knockout, which was quite funny. We mentioned that um, earlier on in the show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, of course, you fought on Friday night against Raymond Lopez. You beat him over four rounds. Winning every round. Yeah. I think you haven't even lost a round professionally yet. How did it feel in there, Cassius, going, going of course, to the four rounds and beating him every round?
0: Uh, it felt good. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a long camp. I had about a, you know, I only fought a four-rounder. I had a nice long camp. I hurt my hand in the first round, but I just mentally, I knew that I could go through it. You know, my trainer, Calvin Davis, who also trains a man, Mansoor, you know, he hurt his hand and and maybe his sixth professional fight so throughout the course of the training camp he was telling me these stories so when i hurt my hand in the first round that was something that popped in my mind you know like people say you know uh when you when you're in the ring you always want to look back on something that that can get you through and um that was my my little bit of adversity early on in my um boxing career but you know i felt like he was a durable guy you can tell he was a um Sort of an MMA type of guy too, because his head was so hard. But I felt that I uh, I did well. I felt that I had a lot of energy going into the fourth round, and you know I, I I've improved.
1: Is the injury serious at all,
0: or is it just just a knock on the night? Uh, well, I um I had an X ray yesterday. It was just a bit of a, uh, I believe it's just a good jam. You know, it was no fracture. Thank goodness, um, but it's around in my knuckle area, my my middle knuckle. So hopefully, and uh, by the end of this week, it, the swelling will be down, and I'll I'll be able to I I'll know more about it. You know, uh, it's just so swollen right now that I don't even think really the x-rays could uh, determine anything significant. But you know, I don't think it's a fracture. I just think it. Hopefully, it's just a good jam.
1: You fought in three different countries now, including the UK. What was that experience like for you coming over to the UK? And how did it all occur? It was just crazy. Like, I think it was what, your fourth fight?
0: Yeah, it was my fourth fight. You know, I'm very uh, independent. You know, um, I got into this sport and understanding that I I got into it about, I was about 23, 20, 22 years old. So I knew that I had to be proactive with a lot of the things that, I wanted to learn. So me getting over to Tyson Fury's camp, uh, it started just from, uh, I think an interview with Adam Noble. Um, and he said, you know, he would, you know, get in contact with Peter Fury. Peter invited me over, you know, for, so for the first month, you know, the fight was, uh, postponed. Um, I asked that if they want me to stay for an extra month, which they did, um, that they give me a fight while I'm there and they made it happen. You know, they, they, they went and. uh, an opponent for me to fight there. So it was it was a bit different because at the same time I wanted to fight at the same time um I was there but you know you you know you're there sparring you're not really training uh for your own fight. So I had to go from like sparring to getting into fight mode which was good for me because you know they say you don't want to become a spawn partner. You don't want to get used to just sparring. So um, me having a fight over there was a big deal. Was was really a great experience for me.
1: Now I don't know um, I, I, at this moment. I, I'm not too sure what what fighters you've sparred or anything like that. But obviously, you now know that that was that was obviously Fury's biggest fight at the time. He's now the heavyweight world champ. Did you learn? Did you learn a lot in that camp? Did you perhaps learn more than you've learned, you know, in in any other camps at all?
0: Um, it was a little bit different. Uh, as far as uh,
2: you know, you over
0: there you're sparring, but you have to spar Huey too. So you know you learn that you know they 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 come to, they come as a package together. You know, so while you're there, you have to spar both of them. Um, I will say that you know he he trains hard when it's time for him to train. You get one of you know Tyson. He does train hard when it's time for him to train. Um, he has a you know a unique style. Um, but, you know, I, have learned in pretty much every single camp, every camp has been different. Uh, man, man, uh, Eric Molina's, um, you know, I've helped Gerald Washington. So everybody's a little bit different, but I will say that, you know, over there, it was a, a great experience. Yeah. Just, you mentioned
1: Eric Molina there. He's been on the show a few times. Good friend of the show.
0: Um, I just
1: wanted to touch on there. You said that you've, you've obviously done round sparring with Huey Fury. He's, he's also obviously an undefeated prospect like yourself. What's your opinion on Huey Fury? Do you think he could go all the
0: way to the top or what? Um, I think so. I think, I think Huey, uh, Huey can go, you know, as far as he, you know, decides he wants to go, uh, you know, it's, um, it's an interesting dynamic right now happening in the heavyweight division. Uh, you know, pretty much you can um, – you might not meet around – you might not fight really good guys until you're at the 20, you know, 20 and old mark. You know what I mean? I will say that uh, um, a great – something I'm learning with Huey, with Tyson, with Anthony Joshua, you know, Wilder, you know, certain things that they don't have to deal with they just got to train and, you know, stay on the right path and they'll be, you know, they'll be okay. You know, hopefully, you know, by next year, I'm in that mix and, you know, I can get, you know, in the ring with all those guys. Yeah, of course.
1: Now, I wanted to ask you about a couple of fights that are coming up in the heavyweight division. I wanted to get your opinion on them. Um, of course, the rematch between Fury and Klitschko, how do you see that one going, Cassius? <laughs>
0: um Oh man. Um, you know, honestly, I think Klitschko looking at it from a do or die. I think he's going to come out and be very, very aggressive. It might be, uh, it has the potential to be maybe the fight of the year, depending on if uh, Tyson can take some of Klitschko's shots and, and dig deep inside. So, you know, I, I don't, I will, I will just say that, you know, I just hope it's a good fight. I don't really want to give a prediction on it because I, I do know the theories, and I was invited to the cultural camp. So I, I just want to say that, you know, I just hope it's a good fight and may the best man win.
1: OK. And also, um, Anthony Joshua against Dominic Brazil. A lot of people this side of the water are not too happy with this. They're saying that, you know, Brazil's only going to probably last two rounds. do you, do you share that opinion? Do you, do you think he's got any chance against Joshua?
0: Um, I think he has a chance. I think he does have a precious chance. I, but I do think that he's there to be hit, you know, because he fights. He fights small. He doesn't fight like a tall guy. But... um You know that's an interesting fight too because Dominic Brazil isn't scared to kind of fight inside a little bit Um, and he's going to weigh a lot I think that's what helped him with Amir Mansour when Amir hurt him he weighed so much that he could take that punch he could get up and weather the storm so I do feel like it's going to be an interesting fight I just think that uh, Brazil if he's in camp training like he's the fight tall it will be more interesting yeah now, in
1: in the US there is a shed load of 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 American heavyweights. Obviously a lot of them further on in their careers, like, you know, there's just absolutely loads of them. Brazil, you mentioned Washington, Eric Molina, Travis Kaufman, loads of guys on that kind of fringe sort of contender level. Is there anybody that you've got your eye on? I know that it's it's early on in your career, you're only seven fights in, but is there anyone that you've got your eye on for the future? Any any one or two names at all?
0: Um, all of them. <laughs> all of them. Um, you know, they're a bit older than me, they're a bit, you know, deeper in their careers than me and uh but I would say uh pretty much, you know, everybody, you know, I think eventually um, you know, same the same way I'm looking at them, guys are gonna be looking at me to uh challenge me. So, you know, you can't uh not take anybody in account. I, I would just say with Gerald, with Gerald, me and Gerald are a good friends. So the same with Eric Molina, we talk with a, we talk a lot. So you know that that might play a factor in in, in regards to those guys. But um, you know, pretty much everybody anybody else is 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 pretty much a go. You know, and you know, I only talk to like three guys. You know, Eric Molina, Gerald Washington, and uh, and Amir Mansour, So, but everybody else is pretty much a go. You know, you want to. You know, stay on them. Um, And, but I do wish a lot of these guys good luck coming up the ranks. You know, I'm good friends with Charles Martin. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, a lot of these guys stay healthy and they bounce back.
1: Yeah, of course. Now, the last question I've got for you before we let you go, Cassius. Where do you see yourself in a realistic world, perhaps in the next 18 months' time? So basically, the end of 2017, maybe the beginning of 2018. Realistically, where do you see yourself in the heavyweight
0: division? Um, I'm hoping to be fighting for at least one of these, you know, minor, one of these minor titles to get me in the world rankings, and then, you know, once I'm in those world rankings, you know, i you know, it's, it's pretty much go time. You know, I just, I just feel like, you know, if you look at some of these rankings with some of these guys in the rankings. They're not even really. Want, they don't really want to fight, you know, top guys. You know, they don't really want to fight the, the next top guy, some of these guys. You know, and uh, it's just so interesting to see when you look at Luis Ortiz, who was top guy. You know, you don't really see guys calling him out. You know, but if you call him out and you go get him, then boom. You know, if you if you're able to get him, that puts you, you know, on that top pedestal. You know what I mean? It's it's like, you know, the business side of it is kind of controlling in in the sense that guys are, are, you know taking their times a little bit. But you know, I hope to get in in the world rankings of one of these organizations by next year. And you know, and then from there, you know, I, I'll take on anybody. You know, I won't. You know, I prepare right. I'll take on anybody. I'm only gonna get better as I as I keep going on with this. So, you know, there's no fear in that regard. Yeah, I'm happy to hear you say that. Of course, you, you know, when you're coming up, you've only got, you've only got one chance to
1: start off. You've got to, you've got to sort of build your CV in the right way because once you get to that level, there's no really going back. So uh, I'm happy to hear you say that you're sort of going to pace yourself. But if a shot comes up, you, you're definitely going to pounce on it. It's smart to hear you say that, Cassius. Um, OK, well, yeah. Just um, just, yeah, just before I let you guys, just wanted to say it's been a pleasure having you on the show this week. We wish you the best of luck for the future, and no
0: doubt we'll speak again soon, Cassius, thank you, I appreciate it, you know, uh, so everybody over there, um thank you, and uh, have a good day, okay,
1: now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, is the preview part where we preview the fight's coming up this weekend. We're going to start with a card taking place on the Friday at York Hall. I believe that ringside tickets for this fight. Are sixty pounds, so that's very cheap. Of course, it's it's not you know there's no massive you know fantastic fights on this bill. There are a couple actually, but there's no it's not it's not full of huge names. There's a lot of guys prospects that are just coming up, and but there will be some good fights on the bill. So if anybody can get down there, I believe it's still sixty pound for ringside, which is a good price. We're gonna start down the undercard. I'm gonna start with a first fight, Anthony Yard. This is his seventh professional fight. He's got a record at the moment of 6-0. and oh. His opponent yet to be announced. But Anthony Yard, boy, oh boy. Ayaz, doesn't he look good? Yeah, he definitely does look good. He's probably the next big prospect. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, he looks fantastic on the pads. He's knocking people out early. And um, I'm excited to see him fight on Friday. This fight will be aired on Box Nation. Also on the bill, Mitchell Smith. He looks to bounce back from that loss to Jules Jupp. In the back end of 2015. So Mitchell Smith 13 and 1. He's in an 8 rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. Tom Baker also on the bill. He looks to move to 14 and 0. His opponent yet to be announced. We need to get some sort of announcement on the opponents soon. Because there's a few guys on here without opponents. But the main fight. The main event on this bill. Enzo Macronelli. 41 wins and 7 losses. He faces Dimitro kucha 23 wins, 1 loss, 1 draw. This is for the vacant EBU Cruiserweight European title. So Enzo Macronelli. This fight was actually supposed to be... Oval McKenzie was supposed to get this shot. But it's ended up being Enzo Mac because I believe... There's an injury. I think there's an injury at the moment that uh, Oval McKenzie is nursing. So, what do you think about this fight, Ayaz? Because Enzo, of course, is coming off of that big win in December last year against Roy Jones Jr. He KO'd. You know, he KO'd a legend, and he he was only the. I believe he was the fifth man to KO Roy Jones in his 70-something fight career. So a good win there, of course. But, you know, it's a well past his best Roy Jones. And he's out here with a bit of momentum, I'd imagine, um, six months later to face Dimitro Kutcher. And, of course, Dimitro Kutcher, only the one loss on his record. He's never been stopped. And he lost to Ilunga Makubu. Of course, the guy who Tony Bellew beat last weekend for the world title. And apparently, this was a fight that Kucha should have actually got the nod. Makabu, I should say, won this fight. Majority decision. So, um a very tough-sounding opponent here. And of course, Kucha, last fight he was involved in was a split-draw it was very, some very, very strange scorecards, but it was a split draw and it was for the vacant EBU Cruiserweight title. So this is the second fight on the bounce that Kutcher is fighting for this title. So he definitely... Definitely wants to win it. And he's coming to York Hall, of course, a traditional York Hall to fight Enzo Mac. So he's serious about winning this. Um, again. I haven't seen so much of Kutcher, but from his 23 wins, he's got 17 knockouts. But yeah, the the two blemishes on his record, which was a loss and a draw, a very highly disputed loss. And the draw I didn't see, but it was, as I say, a split draw. So it'd be it'd be very interesting. And that will be a good fight, and I really, really hope that Enzo Macronelli can do the business, of course we've had him on this show very, very, very nice guy he deserves it of course, now that's it for York Hall, we're now going to go over to the Los Angeles Badminton Club California, USA Denis Shafikov's on this bill in his 40th professional fight, he looks to pick up his 37th win, it's an 8 rounder against a guy called Samuel Amooku, who has a record of 21 wins and 11 losses moving down that bill, Joel Diaz Jr, 21 and 0 his opponent yet to be announced. He's a good prospect. We've got to look out for him. He's no relation to the trainer, Joel Diaz. The one who was looking after, of course, Timothy Bradley before Teddy Atlas took over Timothy Bradley. No relation whatsoever. But Joel Diaz Jr., really, really good prospect. Promising for sure. Now that's it for California. We're now going to go over to New York. Top of the bill. This is a really, really good card, by the way. In fact, we're not going to start top of the bill. We're going to start with the bottom of the bill. Willie Monroe Jr. Junior, of course, former opponent of Gennady Golovkin, 19 wins, 2 losses. He's in a 10-rounder against John Thompson. That's the guy that Liam Smith beat for the WBO world light middleweight title, the super weight title, John Thompson, 17-2. So 19-2 against 17-2. This will actually be a good fight. I think Willie Monroe Jr. perhaps will probably get the win here, but it's going to be a good fight. Dejan Zlatikanin, 21-0. Of course, the guy that beat Ricky Burns. He's facing Franklin Mamani, 21-2 and 2 with the one draw. This is for Zlatikanin's interim WBC World Lightweight title. So he's going to probably get another defense of this one. And there's a huge bang up on the bill. I like to see this. It's going to be a real, real fight. A lot of people saying it's going to be fight of the year before they've even seen it. I has Ruslan Provodnikov. 25 and 4 against John Molina Jr., 28 and 6. Now, these guys can really punch. These guys have been in proper wars. Both of them have fought Matisse, and it's been real good fights. How do you think this fight's going to go, Ayers? It's, it's definitely going to be a war. It's one of those, you know, it's just going to be a war. It ain't going to be a Boar Fest. They can't have bore Fest, these two guys. Yeah, what you're saying is true. It's gonna be a war. Well, obviously we have seen Provonnikov in huge wars. Like for example, he's fought Matisse. He got, got got in a war with him, and obviously he's fought other fighters as well. So I reckon this fight is gonna be a war, and it's not gonna to go to. It's not gonna be a knockout. It's gonna to go to a points win. Yeah, I think the judges, the judges, uh, they can they can have a little break for this fight for 36 minutes. Uh, it won't even go that long. It might be five minutes. We just don't know. I know that John Molina Jr., of course, fighting out of the Goose and Gym with the likes of Joe Goose. He actually had, when he fought Matisse, that was, I think, one of the best fights I've ever, ever seen. Both men knocked the other one down a number of times in the fight. It was just absolutely incredible, that fight. Matisse ended up getting the win, but John Molina was in with a real chance. It was a a proper fight, that one. And top of the bill, the return of Demetrius Andrade. A lot of people say he's the best at 154, but we just haven't seen him for a long time. In that time, Lara has got better and better and picked up a title. So Demetrius Andrade fighting Willie Nelson. A lot of people saying this is a very, very, very close fight especially with the ring that Andrade has 22 wins and zero losses for Andrade he faces of course Willie Nelson 25 and 2 with the one draw this is going to be a good fight I can't wait to see Andrade get back in that 154 picture I'm not sure what was going on with The massive layoff. I don't know if he had an injury or something like that, but of course, he lost his title because he was out so long. And, you know, we can't wait to see him get back in there with the likes of Lara or someone like that because Andrade was an absolute beast. Now, we're going to leave that card there. We're going to go over to the last card that we're going to mention on this week's show. Another really, really good card. Christopher Diaz, 16-0. He faces Neftali Campos, 11-1. That's going to be a good fight. That's an eight-rounder at featherweight. Good fight to Christopher Diaz. Julian Rodriguez, 12-0. He faces Kelvin Dotal. Now, those two fights are... Probably the worst fights on the bill, even though they're good fights. Now, these four fights I've got for you now, good fights. Of course, this is happening at the MSG Madison Square Garden. zoo Shimming. Fighting in the USA. His record seven wins, one loss. He faces Joseph Ajtai, 15 and 2. That's a 10 rounder at flyweight. Also on the bill, Mike, yes indeed, Reed. We had him on the show before. Really, really nice guy. 18 and 0. He faces Abraham Cordero. This is an eight rounder at super lightweight. Mike Reed looking to move to 19 and 0. Felix Verdejo puts his WBO Latino lightweight title on the line against Juan. Jose Martinez 25 and 2, Felix Vadejo 21 and 0. Felix Vadejo, really, really good fighter. Can't wait till he puts down the Latino lightweight title and moves for one of the world titles because this guy really is special. Felix Vadejo. And the main event, top of the bill, Roman Martinez puts his WBO World Super Featherweight title. Roman Martinez, one of the bravest men in the business. 29 wins, 2 losses and 3 draws. He faces Vassil Lomachenko. 5 wins, 1 loss. Unbelievable, isn't it? Vassil Lomachenko is going to probably win this and he's going to pick up his second world title in seven fights That's that's got to be a record, I don't know I think that's, that's got to be a record I don't think that's ever been done before Lomachenko with some good promoters behind him by the way, who do you see winning this one as I know that Roman Martinez has been around the block, he's been in some tough fights but he's a real good fighter and he comes to fight every single fight he's in and he will put up a good account of himself, I don't care what anyone says do you reckon Lomachenko is going to go in there and do the business yeah i reckon i personally reckon lomachenko will stop him okay yeah well then that's a that's a that's a statement right there and you you know what you're probably right this would be his second world title in two weight divisions within seven fights which is quite remarkable okay we're gonna leave the preview part there we're now gonna welcome our second guest our next guest on this week's show is a former WBC World Heavyweight title challenger, boasting a record of 28 wins, 24 by knockout, and just three losses. It's none other than Jerry Cooney. Jerry, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be on your show. How's things going? Very good, very good, sir. Yourself?
2: You know, I'm glad to be on your show. I'm sorry for the reason we're on. Uh, everything yeah. is great. Uh, I've been busy, uh, and uh, boxing is just doing great, so I'm very excited.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, we're on for a, for a couple of different reasons. Obviously, we're going to start. Uh, this this week is actually a special week for yourself. But just before we get into that, last week we of course had some awful news. Um, not just in the heavyweight division, not just in the sporting world, but iconically, the great Muhammad Ali passed away. Jerry, what's your reaction to this tragic loss for all of us?
2: Well, that's it. It's a tragic loss. It's uh, it's it's um, uh, we can't recover from that kind of a loss listen, he was a great man he was a great fighter he was a great person he never never begrudged an autograph or a picture taking he fought for all causes and uh, listen he was the most cherished human being in, in the world you know he's the most famous man in the world do you have any sort of personal like meetings
1: have you, have you, how many times have you met the guy is there any sort of story you've got from any of those at all
2: well, you know, we've met many times. I remember watching him in an airport one time. He was walking down the corridor. He had sort of a glow to him. That's the kind of guy who was a magnet, and, and people drawn to him, and people loved him. And, and he was a great guy. I mean, listen, he stood up for what he believed in. He didn't go into the war. You know, that's one hand. The other side is all the guys that did, you know, they belong to America. We have to protect America. They went to war, and they lost their arms and their legs, and and, and and so we we have to really take our hats off to him as well. But I met him the first time; I was probably 22 at the UN building in New York. There was a boxing convention, and he sat right next to me. And he was just such a great guy. He he, he late years to come after that, he'd call my mother, let her know I'm doing okay. The fight's going to be fine. And he was just that kind of a guy. And I, I got to hit a little, hit off with him so well, like everybody. I thought it was just neat. I invited him out to my house in Hampton. He agreed to come, and then I wound up—I uh, was—you know, so young, 22. He had uh, about 30 guys traveling with him. I didn't know what to do with him. so I wound up canceling the trip, and I regret that very deeply. But listen, you know, fighters have a different rapport than everybody else. We're always pulling for each other. You know, fighting is a struggle. We we come from difficult backgrounds. We got to fight our way out of it, and and unfortunately, most part, most guys don't end up saving any money. And unfortunately, in his case, he stayed too long and took shots from Frazier and Norton and Foreman that you can't take and, and survive. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Parkinson's took him over about 32 years ago.
1: Yeah, of course. But it's, it's good that you've got a touching story like that to share. You know, that's that's, that's certainly something good to hold on to. Um, a lot of people, of course, you know, they're, they're still going to be talking about this this, this actual fight that, obviously, it's a fantasy fight. The whole Muhammad Ali in his prime against Tyson in his prime. I've always been a strong believer that Ali would have, you know, been the better man on the night. Do you share that view, Jerry, or have you got a different one?
2: Well, you know, I was with Muhammad Ali one time and he said, you know, Mike Tyson the something, but he's not no Muhammad Ali. And, you know, Muhammad Ali had a way. Listen, when we saw Muhammad Ali fighting George Foreman, I was praying Please, Ali, don't take this fight. Don't take this fight. He's going to kill you, along with everybody else. And he saw something we didn't see. That's how gifted he was. And he went in there and found a way to beat George Foreman, who was invincible at the time. So I'm pretty sure that he would have found a way to combat Mike Tyson and uh, and been victorious in that battle as well. Now, getting
1: on to a more positive topic, uh, this week is your 34-year anniversary since challenging Larry Holmes for the WBC heavyweight title on June the 11th, 1982. We had Larry on our show a while back in February of this year. Tell us what you remember about that fight, Jerry. Don't remind me of that fight. I don't want to remember that fight.
2: <laughs> anyway, it was the greatest fight of the world, in, in my life. I was getting a chance for the heavyweight championship of the world. I knocked out kenny norton in fifty four seconds in one round, and uh, uh unfortunately it was a, a period of time it took thirteen months for the fight to happen, and I started drinking heavily and I believe it had a big effect in the fight and uh, but that being said, he was also the great champion you know top five in the history of the game I got to fight him and won thirteen rounds with him so we had a nice fight I got dropped in the second round i I I was jabbing with him in, in through the fight. I caught him in some great shots. And uh had a couple of points taken away for low blows. that he was pulling my head down, which Mills Lane couldn't see. And I got three points taken away for low blows, which kind of, you know, with my lack of experience, instead of thinking to myself, let me go out and try and knock this guy out, I went out and said, go ahead, you can hit me, you can't hurt me. So it was a dumb inexperience uh, that we happens to us. Don King owned all the heavyweights. And he wouldn't let me fight any of them because he didn't want me to get the experience so I could have an opportunity to be home. So as it turned out, I got stopped in the 13th round. I have a great life, a great family. I'm still in the game. I'm on Sirius XM radio every Monday, every Friday from uh, 6 to 8 p.m. New York time. And uh, life is great.
1: And I just want to talk about the promotion of that fight. I know that, obviously, in the build-up, you wasn't happy with the fact that it would sort of been promoted as like a black versus white thing. Don King, obviously, gave you that label, the great white hope. Who do you feel was to blame for, for that bad publicity surrounding that particular fight, Jerry? Well,
2: you know, I, and I got to tell you that, obviously, Don King is it was a master promoter, and he was trying to make as much, much money as he could. It, regardless of what he was doing to the world and the country, and and uh, he made a lot of mistakes. And obviously, you know, I did not let it bother me at all because I had six or eight friends I grew up with who hung with me, and we just went to training camp and trained and, and got, got, got ready for the fight. But, you know, of course, Holmes got death threats, and, you know, things went on that was not really supposed to be in sports. And what happened to me was that the night of the fight, Mills Lane, has Larry Holmes and me in the center of the ring, giving us instructions. And right before the bell rings, Larry Holmes looks at me and says, "Jerry, let's have a good fight." And that's what boxing is about. And that was a great, you know, commentary about two athletes going into the fight and becoming the best. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Now I know that you you maintained a good relationship with Larry. I just wanted to ask how how things are at the moment and when the last time that you guys spoke was.
2: I can't stand him. I can't stand that guy. Actually, we get along great. <laughs> we're always together. I was on when he was on last night. This morning, we did a couple of telev- television shows together about Muhammad Ali. So, listen, we're good friends. We're forever going to be held together from that fight in June 11th, 1982. And uh, 34 years ago, I can't believe it. It's crazy. And uh, we do. We help each other a lot all year long. And to make other people's life a little easier and safer it's a great thing to have between us two. Yeah, definitely. That's that's, that's exceptional.
1: Um, now, of course, in your day, you could really punch. As mentioned earlier, 24 KOs in 28 wins. You fought some big punchers yourself. Who would you say hit the
2: hardest, Jerry? Well, I would say um, Foreman uh, punched the hardest. I got caught with a good shot by him. And I heard him in the first round. I heard him. He, he talked about I was the, the biggest puncher he ever fought. A lot of guys did, but... You know, um, he was the biggest puncher I fought. I mean, that, realistically, Ron Lyle could punch, but I didn't really get hit with him, uh, and Foreman caught with some great shots. Uh, but the best fighter I ever fought was Larry Holmes. One none.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So you sort of answered that in in one there. Yeah, no, both good fights though. Though all, all of them good fights. Um, are you in touch with the heavyweight division these days? And if so, who'd you I like sure to am. watch? I sure am.
2: I'm very I'm very excited for Anthony Joshua. He's been on our show a lot. We have a show in New York called Monday and Friday Night. The fights on Sirius XM 93 Rush, and he's been on our show. He's won the heavyweight championship of the world. He's getting better every day. We have Deontay Wilder, who's a great fighter in his own right, and I see that as a very big super fight coming down the road pretty soon. I mean, you got Tyson Fury, obviously he's a he beat Klitschko and he's going to fight him again. And I think what he did was he he uh Buffaloed Tyson Fury by fainting him all night. He's got a great trainer. I love his trainer, and uh and 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 so it's coming back. We got King Khan Bundy. We have a lot of guys building up the heavyweight division it's been lacking for so long we're on our way to a great heavyweight division
1: I was going to ask you about uh, Deontay Wilder, you just sort of said there, but I agree with you that that fight is one I'm really looking forward to I hope that that fight can materialise between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua but the main man we have to both agree on surely, the main man, obviously they say to beat the man you've got to beat the man Fury obviously beat the man in Klitschko, so right now he's he's number one in my opinion certainly
2: He's right. You know, I don't know. I mean, he's number one guy. He's got a great personality, although he's gone a little crazy lately. I hope he can calm himself down and get rid of some of that, that rhetoric because he's got an opportunity to make some great money make a name for himself, a big name, in the heavyweight division. He beat Klitschko, which is not an easy task to do, and he did it easily by fainting. He kept fainting and keeping Klitschko off balance. And uh, I'm, I'm really proud of that for him, and he's got some big fights ahead of him, I hope that's some of the things you said about he doesn't like fighting and he he's fat and all that so I hope he gets rid of that and uh and and stop talking about the gays and and all that stuff and let's get back to the main thing that's made him who he is is the fight game. yeah, absolutely.
1: It always says outlandish stuff, but it makes sense to him in some kind of way. It's all just mind games you you can never really take for granted anything he does say um of course you've got you've got Irish in you as well. Um, I wanted to ask, where does that come from in your family, Jerry?
2: It comes from Mayo, Kiltima, in Mayo, in, in, in Ireland. Uh, and my father was also from Canada, so we got Canadian in me. So we, he was from St. John's, Newfoundland. And so it's all good, and I've got some good bloodlines, some great bloodlines. Blood
1: yeah, you do. Now, in, in in April 2013, Tyson Fury had his first fight in America. It was against Steve Cunningham. This side of the river, Tyson was saying that he wanted you to walk him to the ring that night. Were you contacted about that? I just wanted to sort of get an answer no, out because we never no, really no. heard
2: anything. I never got contacted about that, but listen, you gotta love that guy. His outlandish remarks about some of the things, the women and the gays, I mean, that's not really cool for society. But listen, I'm in this corner. He's done a lot. He's done a lot for himself in the game. I hope he keeps. Gets himself in better shape, and he can beat Klitschko this time. You know he's got to keep Klitschko outside and keep more balance. And uh, if he can do that, then we're going to have a uh, a great matchup between a lot of different guys in the heavyweight division. So,
1: like, not to not to sort of mark you on the spot as such, but if he were to fight in America down the line, and he did he did call you, would you would you like to would you stay neutral, or would you would you walk him out if he if he insisted? I
2: would love to walk him out. I'd love to walk him out, Kennedy. He's, he's an Irishman. He's my brother. He's, 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 somewhere we're related? I just can't get no money out of him. We're related, but I can't get no money out of him. <laughs>
1: okay, excellent. All right, Jerry, just before I let you go, I just wanted to give you a chance. Any kind of message um, for any of your UK fans that still show you support up until
2: this day, sir? Listen, I love UK. I met Henry Cooper. I fought in the United States team when I came to England in 1975. Henry Cooper met us at the airport. Got to meet with Lennox Lewis, all the guys. I love it there. Great fighters in in the UK. And I I love the game there. Great, talented guys.
1: Excellent stuff. On behalf of all those guys, I thank you very much. Listen, Jerry, I just want to say from myself, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. It's really good to talk to a genuine gentleman. And of course, um, someone that's done a lot for the sport. I really, really appreciate you giving us a bit of time this week, sir.
2: Love you, brother. Thank you so much. Call
1: me anytime. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 36 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayah Sumra has been Ayah Sumra. A massive thank you, as always, to our two guests that took part on this week's show. It was a pleasure to speak to Cassius Cheney, named after the great man himself. And it was a pleasure, as well, to speak to Jerry Cooney, who had some fantastic stories with Muhammad Ali, personally. So that was really great to hear. This show, of course, is another show that we're going to thank the fans for listening to. It's been... An emotional one, to be totally honest. We've had some interviews that people have gone into and they've gone quite deep on on their stories. And we've had some touching moments on this podcast. But this really is the saddest one by far. We've lost an absolute legend of not just the sport, but of the world. So I just want to say thank you very much for listening to this week's show. A very heartfelt show. Thank you for sharing, liking, following, tweeting and favouriting. And there's no other way to end it than to say... Muhammad Ali, rest in peace my brother.